Now, get this. Where it says, and that repentance and remission of sins. Remission of sins means the forgiveness of sins. To remit of sin means the sins are taken away, forgiven, as though you never did them. Pretty good. You see, believing is man's part. Forgiving is God's part. All we have to do is to believe it. And I will be forgiven of everything that I owed. You see, whenever you wrong somebody, there's a debt to pay to the person to satisfy the offense. And so God says, my son paid your debt and you can go free as though you never did the crime because someone else paid for it. Repentance was a change of mind about how one is saved. We talk about, you know, you've got to change your mind. But Ray used to say, you know, I never changed my mind about sin. I thought adultery was wrong before, and I still do. I thought murder was wrong, and I still do. I thought lying was wrong, and I still do. So I never changed my mind about sin. I always thought wonderful things about God, so I didn't have to change my mind too much even about God. But every man has to repent, change his mind about the way of salvation. Every man has to realize he cannot save himself by his works and trust Christ as Savior. So every man is to repent, change your mind about how a man is saved. Therefore, every man has to change his mind about the same thing when it comes to salvation. He cannot save himself. And he trusts Christ as a Savior. You put it in this rightful place, it's an easy thing to understand. But he says this. Ye are witnesses of these things, the payment that was made, Christ's death. Now go into all the world and preach this wonderful, wonderful message. Take your Bible look here in the book of Matthew in chapter 18. Matthew in chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18 is a simple little statement here. And it makes this statement in verse 15. But just look at this real quick. Won't spend a lot of time here. Peter kind of got hung up on this. <laughs> I guess it was good in view of what he wound up doing later. But anyway, in verse 15, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell everybody about it. I mean, just get your megaphone, put it on the internet, tell everybody what he did. Is that what it says? Oh. Go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. And that's the reason to do it. But if he will not hear, then you get somebody else and so forth. And then in verse 17, and if he shall neglect to hear thee, then you have to tell the church. And if he neglects to hear the church, then, well, you've got to treat him like a heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Whenever you make decisions here, let's say, for example, you wrong me, and I'm never going to forgive you if it's the last thing I do. Well, that decision that I made, I'm going to have to answer for when I get to heaven. If I forgive you, I will be blessed by God when I get to heaven. See, there's a God in heaven that keeps the record. And there's things that you can do. There's things, people that you can forgive. 
I've actually had people tell me, I'll never forgive them until the day I die, I'll never forgive them for what they did to me. All right. Did you know that God knows the decision you made? And in this life is when we're supposed to make things right as much as possible. But you see, sometimes people don't. You declare or your decision will be honored in heaven. And God will judge you and chasten you accordingly or bless you because you do. There's opportunities God has given to us as his children to do like our father has done. We wronged our father and he forgave. When they wrong his children, his children are to forgive. Our father loved the world. His children are to love the world. You see, whatever he was willing to do, and he sacrificed his life, that's why God asked us to be a living sacrifice, to sacrifice our life, because, why? because you see, he did. He was our example of the believer. So we do what God says that we're supposed to do. And so as you go down through here, and he talks about, you know, how many times do you forgive him? Seventy times, seventy, and all that, you know. Just, just stay at it. Let me show you this. Take your Bible, look here in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew and chapter 6. There's an interesting portion of Scripture here, but we can kind of relate it to the dispensation of grace. But Jesus says, don't be like the heathen with vain repetition. You know, making long, pretentious prayers as though you're, you're holier than somebody else. And you just wrote memory, but there's no feeling there, no sincerity. Like, you know, that one that we always do, you know, and you probably did when you was growing up. As I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Amen, John, Ben, shot a rooster, killed a hen, chicken died, rooster cried, don't just be satisfied. So you say that prayer, and if you really understand what you're saying, and you really know the Lord, do I have to pray, Lord, if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take? He has to take me. You don't have a choice now. But when I didn't understand, now you say prayers and you repeat them over and over again, and they don't have meaning. Not in reality. But we become conditioned to it. So he makes a statement in verse 7, But when you pray, use not vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Uh, be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before ye ask him. After this manner, wherefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I, I want your will to be done here as it is there. And if I really want God's will to be done here, then I should want it to start with me. Maybe the world won't do it. Maybe you won't do it. But why can't I have God's will done in me here? And so sometimes you can't control other people. And the only one you can answer for is you. Is God's will being performed in you to the point that you don't harbor bitterness against someone and you don't use evil communication against somebody to tear them down or to destroy their character? Are you saying things 
because you want to build them up and edify them and make them strong in the Lord? Are you harboring bitterness in your heart towards somebody and you have an unforgiving spirit? Maybe sometimes we have to have a little talk with the Lord. That song we sing, now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about our troubles. Because sometimes we have a whole bunch of them. We need to learn to talk to the Lord. But get what he says. There in verse 11, he says, give us this day our daily bread. Because God wants us to stay in constant dependence upon him. This is why God doesn't always, you know, give us that million dollars. You know, reason that God may not give you that million dollars, Peter, is because he may not be able to trust you with a million dollars. Can't blame him. Because God knows what we would do. And he says, you have not because he asked not. And then when you do ask, it's to consume it upon your lust. Not for his honor and for his glory. He says, if you love me, serve me. And anything that you ask for, you can have. Well, then you ask for everything you can that would please and honor God. Not just to consume it upon your lust. But now notice what he says. In verse 12, he says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our debts. You see, we have sinned against God. We're in debt. Any person you wrong, you're in debt to them. This is why you shouldn't try to wrong people. Because when you wrong people, you owe them an apology. You ever heard that? You owe me an apology. Because you're in debt. You wrong somebody. And everybody knows you're not supposed to wrong people. And if you wrong them, you owe them. We wrong God, we owe God. And he forgives us our debt as we forgive our debtors. See, under the law, we forgive our debtors in order to be forgiven. But once that payment was made and our debts are forgiven... Now, he says, forgiving others because God hath for Christ's sake forgiven us. And so he says, learn to forgive. You'd be surprised what it will do for your, your life, the Christian life. But sometimes we just never seem to learn the lesson. Uh, look, look what he says right there in verse 34. Everybody has needs. Everybody has something that they've got to have. This is why he says, well, let me just look at verse 25, first of all. When he says, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, yet for your body, what you shall put on, is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? In other words, you worry about things that God says that he'll supply and he'll provide. And then he says in verse 26, Behold the fowl of the year, they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Do you believe that you are more important than the birds? God feeds them. What are you worried about? But God says this. The way you solve this dilemma is he says up there in verse 32. After all these things, do the Gentiles seek? For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. There's a God in heaven who knows what you need. But you know, if you don't learn how to trust the Lord, 
you're going to get hurt. Because you have expectations and they're not met. And he says you have not because you ask not. And you don't ask God for the right things with the right motive under the right circumstances because you're filled with lust. Or you're filled with hatred. Or you're filled with bitterness. And you maybe are not having a forgiving spirit because somebody has wronged you and you will not forgive them. Did you know there's a heavenly father that could withhold his blessings from you because of your disobedience? A wrong attitude? See, God may have a good reason. God usually doesn't bless disobedience. And you may not think this is that serious. You say, well, I don't murder anybody and I haven't robbed the bank lately. I know, but have you forgiven a brother who wronged you? <clears throat> but now look what he says. In verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You seek the Lord and do right. And God says, all these other things, he'll add them to you. But see, we don't make God our priority. We make things our priority. And we make things our priority. We go after that and you never get enough. God's always in the background. So therefore, you, you've missed out. And you worry about these things. And God said, if you just put me first, I already know everything you need. I would have added all these other things, but you didn't put me first. You didn't put me first. Do you know God is a jealous God? And he doesn't like it when you trust anything other than him. That's why he says about our daily bread. Our constant need of the Lord. That's why he also tells us in the book of James in chapter 1, count it all joy when you fall in the diverse temptations because you'll find out there's a lot of things that will happen in life you don't have the answers for. But he says, if any man will ask, believing, he shall receive. But don't think that that double-minded man shall receive anything of the Lord. And in James chapter 4, he says, you have not because you ask not, and then because you ask it upon your lust. Because you don't want it for the Lord's glory, or because you love him and you want to serve him. So there's a reason. In the last part of verse 33, seek his righteousness, and all these things shall be added, added unto you. All you got to do is just concentrate on the proper thing. The thing that God says to do. That's why he says in the book of Romans in chapter 14, meet the, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness. It's not what you eat and it's not what you drink. Those are things that you need that your heavenly father knows and he'll take care of that if you take care of the other. But if you don't, you're going to worry yourself about the other because now you've got to make it happen. Instead of seeing how God is going to provide. That's why in verse 34, look in verse 34 of Matthew chapter 6. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. In other words, whatever God has for you this day, he'll give you the grace to bear this day. What makes a day evil is when you borrow the problems of the past or the problems of the future and you bring them into this day and God didn't give you enough grace for all of that. He gave you grace to take one day at a time. 
You see, God doesn't need to give me grace today to bear all the burdens that are coming down the road six months from now. But I have to trust the Lord that if I do right, I'll have all the grace and the strength that I need when that day comes. Because, see, I'm going to walk with the Lord one day at a time. And God promised. That's why I am excited about every day of my life. Because it's in God's hands. There's some things you'll find out you can't control. You can't make happen. But it's so easy to get bitter at God without knowing it. And your bitterness is sometimes displayed. Not against God directly. But indirectly against people. We take it out on somebody else and make them hurt. Make them pay for my hurt, for my pain. And all you had to do was to ask the Lord to forgive or to face with people and forgive. It's a, a tremendous thing if we would just learn to do it. Take your Bible and turn there to the book of Acts in chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, verse 38. Two verses that you know very, very well. But there's something written here that I, I really like. In verse 38, it says this, Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, Christ, is preached unto you, what? The forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins is the most important thing that can ever happen to a man in this life. That's salvation. God forgiven a man for what he's done because he's in debt to God and he owes God. He's violated a righteous, holy God and made God an angry individual against him. And we were enemies of God. And so the only way we could have peace between me and God, it was impossible for me to pay the debt. So God sent his son as a peace offering. Jesus is my peace offering. He made peace between me and my heavenly father now. But anyway, look what he says here. This man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, and by him all that believe are justified from all things. Justification from all things is forgiveness of sins. You see, you're justified like you never did it because you've been forgiven. From how much? Everything from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Uh, look there in chapter 10. We're right here in the book of Acts. Look in chapter 10. As Peter is talking to the household of Cornelius, he goes through and he says, Jesus is not a respecter of persons. He loves the Jew. He loves the Gentile. The same God, Lord over all. And that there is no difference. If God can save one, God can save another. And he'll forgive anyone. Of all things. So this is what he says up there in verse 34. Peter opened his mouth. That's the first thing about witnessing you have to do. You have to get started. You have to open your mouth. And he said, of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. 
But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. And if a man could produce this righteousness, God will accept it. But God says, man is lost and cannot produce this righteousness, so God produced it for him. This is why Peter had to go and preach the gospel. And that's why in verse 36 he says, The word which God hath sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He was the peace offering to make peace between us, being reconciled back to God. And so he makes this statement in verse 37, That word, I say, ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all these things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day, showing him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us. Is preaching the gospel a command? It's a command. And like Peter, he opened his mouth and he preached the gospel. Paul opened his mouth and he prayed. And he even told people, pray for me that I may open my mouth boldly, that I may speak as I ought to speak. So he says here in verse 42, And he commanded us to preach unto the people, and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive what? Remission of sins, forgiveness of sins to those who believe. He could only do this because he died and paid their debt. And now because of a debt that's been paid, go into all the world and preach the forgiveness of sins. This is why the greatest thing God could ever do for a man is to forgive him of all of his sins. That's why one of the greatest displays, demonstrations of love anybody can ever show toward anybody else is when you can forgive them when they wrong you. You must see this as a great thing, as an important thing. It can be an enjoyable thing. You see, you don't have to be rich. You don't have to have a million dollars. But the joy of forgiving somebody, that's a wonderful thing. Do what you can with what you do have. God will take care of all the rest of it. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all sinned. We're all in debt. We sinned against God. And the payment is eternal separation from God in hell. And God says there's no way for us to pay for this debt and go to heaven. We'd have to be eternally separated from God. 
Going to hell is not going to pay for the sin. You have to be eternally separated from God. It's not like if I'm there for a million years, it's finally paid for, now I get to go to heaven. Otherwise, you would have said, the payment for sin is one million years in hell. No. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. God sent him to make peace. So you see, we had something against us. I, I'm in debt. Christ came into the world, and he lived a perfect life. He owed no one. He had no debt to pay. But because of his love for us, he was willing to give his life as a payment for our sins. He came back from the dead and said that if we would believe, he did it for us. We could be forgiven. That's why you hear sometimes the phrase, you know, you must be washed in the blood. But if you really think about that, that doesn't really sound like, you know, something I want to just run out here and do. Washed in the blood. But when you understand what it means is Christ's death, shedding his blood, washed me white as snow because he was able to forgive me of all my sins. And I get to go to heaven on what he did for me. Now, because of what he did for us, he says, yeah, as you live in this life, people are going to wrong you and you're going to wrong them. And when you do, learn to apologize and say, hey, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. Or somebody wrongs you, and look, I forgive you. That's a lot of power. Do you know the blessing that can be to somebody? Do you know what it would be like if you wronged somebody and says, I'll never forgive you. I'm going to hold this against you for the rest of your life. It hurts. You may have to forgive yourself. Well, I tried. I did whatever. But you still want to be forgiven. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. If you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, you have not been forgiven. You realize that without your sins being forgiven, you cannot go to heaven. That's why it's so important for you to understand Christ died to pay for your sins so that he could forgive you of everything you've ever done. Being saved simply means that you will accept God's forgiveness. I accept God's forgiveness. And he says, I'll give you eternal life as a free gift. And I'll never cast you out and never lose you. That's some of the best news in all the world. With your head still bowed and your eyes closed, is there anyone that you know that maybe flashed into your mind that you need to ask forgiveness of something? Or is there something that someone has done against you and you need to forgive them? Whether they ask or they don't, have a spirit of forgiveness lest the root of bitterness springs up inside of you. Our Father, we thank you so much for this time together. Bless each one here. And you that are watching by internet, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I urge you right now, just the best you know how, well, if you trust him, he will save you and give you eternal life. And he'll never cast you out, never lose you. Father, we thank you for this time together. Bless each one for being here. Thank you for this church. And all the good workers we have, every member, and help us to be a loving and forgiving church. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.